Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Portland Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm here with Jordan Lee and Alex Fan, and we're here to talk about financial planning and real estate. Oh, everyone's favorite topic. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna just gonna go over real quick like how we got into thinking about finance, why finance is important to us, and and sort of our journeys there. Um, yeah, because you you know it's not something honestly, and I don't know about you guys, but in my high school we didn't. I think we maybe had one day where we like learned how to balance a checkbook, which by the way, I've never done. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if you guys do I that. I tried. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I've even had that training in my high school. We didn't really have much at all. I didn't know anything about money <laughs> in high yeah. school. But yeah, we never learned about how to you know, calculate a mortgage or amortization or kind of like put together a full household budget and that type of thing. So it's, I feel like everyone goes about learning finance and investing differently. Um, and for some people, their parents are involved, which is really nice. And, yeah. I, and I'm super fortunate. Like my dad um, gave me a book when I when I was done with college, and had like I, so after I finished college, I got a fellowship to go teach English in China. Yeah. And like the worst and the best thing happened to me. I got my my pay my first paycheck ever <laughs> for the full year. Um, it was fifty five hundred dollars. Oh wow! And that was full year. I mean, yeah. I, luckily I had housing taken care of. Okay. But like, yeah, the first time I'd, I mean, I'd been paid from like working at Enchanted Forest or whatever when I was 14 and, and those types of things. But they, they gave you your full check for the full year up front. And I was just like, oh, okay. And my dad was like, okay, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've like, seen so much money before. <laughs> I know, right? I know. And my dad was like, okay, so now you need to um, put $500 of that 10% into, um, into an IRA, like, get some super, I got some wow. super cons conservative like index fund or I actually think it was a mutual fund and um, which that it was some environmental PAX fund, I think. And it did well, like it, you know, it's doubled, I think three or four times and um, can't complain about that. But the other shock to me was like, I, I think I ran out of money before winter break or something like that. I was like <laughs> trying to play poker and you know, nice. to make money. And the smartest way to make money is playing <laughs> yeah. poker. Yeah. Especially uh, when you're not good at it. Because so. I, no, I had no budget. I, I just was like, oh, I got, I got money. I'm going to travel in China and I'm going to you know, enjoy myself and have fun. Um, so yeah, when I got back and didn't know what I was doing, I was like, oh, maybe I want to go to culinary school. And my dad's like, here, take this book, read it. And so that was the first book that I read on finance. What book? Um, it was like the only finance, financial advice or financial book that you'll ever read. I can't remember oh, yeah. the title or the author, but title. I mean, basically the takeaway, the, my main takeaway from that book was like, when, when shelf stable things go on sale, buy them. Like, so like tuna or whatever, canned tuna, something that you buy sure. regularly every day. Uh -huh. So the when tuna, it goes on yeah. sale, if you have the storage capacity for it, you buy it, right? The tuna investing philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it <laughs> toilet paper still appreciating. Remember early pandemic, we we're all hoarding toilet paper and things oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh I mean, it, it just the basic concept was like, if, if it's something that's durable uh -huh. and you can hold on to it, get it while it's cheap, I, I guess. Sounds like a hoarding mentality. <laughs> a little, yeah. little bit of a hoarding mentality. Yeah. 
Um, but then, you know, after I enjoyed that, I went on to read the same things that, other, you know, everyone else reads, like crazy, um, what, what is it called? The, um, the Richard... Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, yeah, and, and a couple others. Um, so I got kind of turned on to real estate and, and, and whatnot in that sense. Um, and I learned some other lessons, too, along the way. Like when I was... So when, after I went to culinary school, I got a job cooking. Um, and, and man, like I was getting paid $11 an hour then. So I wasn't... I didn't have a lot of opportunity to make savings. But one day, like a year after I'd been working there, the chef came down and he was like, oh, you guys know that we have this like IRA match, right? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> but, and I saw so as the first and only employee to take advantage of that match. Um, and by the time, I worked there for three years. And by the time that I left, I had accrued about $7,000. And it was a one-to-one match too. So whatever I put in there, they put in. And, and they're like, they asked me the question when I set it up, you, you just want like a, a simple IRA, like, right? A traditional one. And at the time I didn't know. In hindsight, I definitely would have chosen a Roth IRA. Yeah. Because I was making, I was making no, very little money at the time, and so decreasing my taxable income with a, with by a few thousand bucks was not really tax savings for me. But later that account, long story short, I inv- I bought like twenty four hundred dollars of Tesla, and then it became a hundred thousand dollars like fifteen years later or whatever, and, and then I did a conversion on that. So I. I paid a lot more in taxes on that account than um, than I did than my initial investment. But I mean, long story, long term, it'd, it'd be totally worth it. Uh, but that was a, a good lesson to me early, early and later that hey, when you're young, when you're not making a ton of money, put everything into a Roth if you can. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's tons of options there. You can obviously max out your 401k. You know, the Roth IRA, as you were mentioning, if you can HSA, you can basically take a lot off your gross income by just, you know, putting your money there. Pre-tax income. Right. It's hard for so many people, right? Because a lot of times they need that money, you know, and, yeah. or, or, you know, and this is and going back to your earlier point, Jordan, it started with your dad, right? Giving you some, some good, very basic, frugal, basic advice. And I think that's where it starts for so many people is that, you know, you're right. The schools growing up, they didn't focus or teach us very much about financial literacy yeah. and the impacts it can make for us in our, lo- in our life growing up. And that's why it's so important, I think, that you know, schools today, I think I am seeing more classes around that. Um, and my story is very similar to yours. You know, my, dad, my dad, same thing. He helped me go open my first bank account. Mm. I think that was where it's like, wow. Did I, he have I, you buy a CD too? <clears throat> no. <laughs> no. Those are coming back, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> He, he didn't do that, but it was just understanding res- financial responsibility. You know, like have an account, have savings where you can see your money and you can see it grow, right? And I think that's part of like seeing that grow, uh, which was really impactful, you know, for me, you know? But um, yeah, I don't think it gets talked enough. And I think, you know, kids grow up in a household, so they, they of course, observe and see how their parents handle finances, yeah. you right. know? And so that becomes the basis of where, when they become adults, you know, if they haven't had the benefit of other education or books or, 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 or things like that, you're, you know, their mindset is very different about how they, they handle money, you know? Um, so, Stephen, how about you? How was your journey? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I would say this, my parents and, you know, my upbringing was more of a, 
whatever cash we have, let's hide it under the mattress. Let's hide it in the, the curtains. Or, you know, like we did not have good financial practices. Don't trust banks. Like, Don't trust banks. Uh, you know, we had, and not to throw my family under the bus, but we had really bad. This isn't, I mean, that's <clears throat> not uncommon at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're refugees, immigrants. and. Right. You know, First generation, especially. Exactly. Right. They were saving their money because they knew that they, they didn't want to lose it. You know, I've had yep. stories from my dad. When he was younger, he put his money in stocks and he just tried it out and he lost all his money and he got scared. So mm-hmm. the only way he knew was to kind of hoard cash. But yeah. It, it's kind of, and, and for, um, you know, our my parents and family were immigrants <coughs> to this country too. And, you know, in, in, in growing up during their time of, of life, they were experiencing war and all these other things that we can't imagine. But wealth had to be tra- like movable. It had to be yeah. mobile. Yeah, you had to yeah. Be able I to mean, take you, your there's a good you. reason why you couldn't trust a bank, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, especially when we had like creditors calling us because my parents, you know, got into really bad credit card debt. And this is back in the days when we had answering machines, but we would have just 10, 15 you know, credit cards calling us for our money. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a kid picking up these calls, and I would have creditors yelling at me. You know, mm, so I yeah. got really scared about money. I grew up very fearful of ever being poor. You know, and I was a good student, uh, and my story is I went to the University of Washington. Obviously, I was a resident of Portland, Oregon, so I was going out of state, got student loans at, like, I think, like, 7%. And what, what was the tuition at UW then? Was it, like, 40 or something like that? No, or? I think out of state was, like, 25. Okay, okay, okay. You know, and I didn't really look at any of the paperwork. Like I said, not financially literate. I'd been working my whole entire life in just restaurants and as a dishwasher and just mm-hmm. any, like in my parents' business, they had a business growing bean sprouts. So any cash I had, all I knew was to, I had a bank account. Right. It was just sitting in my checking. Um, but I was just so fearful when I finally looked at, you know, and learned a little bit about the interest rates for student loans. And we signed a really high one because my parents didn't have good credit. We just didn't know. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I had to get, I, I was like, I just made sure that I would never be poor. Right. So, and I'll plug a book. Uh, the book that kind of changed my life is called, and it's kind of a funny name. It's called "I Will Teach You to Be Rich" by okay. Ramit Sethi. Okay. It uh, taught me everything I needed to not everything I needed to know about financial uh, advice, but it really got me started. Uh, especially with like I think one big thing that really changed my life was there's a little story about if you start saving from 20 to 25, like I don't know, like 100 dollars a month, and then you stop investing for retirement, basically. Versus someone who's investing from, I don't know, 30 to 30 till 65. The person who invested early will have all that compounded interest and will have more money in their retirement, only saving for those five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one of the mir- miracles of life, right? Compound yeah, compound yeah that, that was advice that my brother-in-law, when I was you know, still in high school, my siblings are about you know, 12, 15 years older than me my senior and so he was trying to give me investment advice about back then Alex get in think compounding interest right yeah. start now and I really regret of course being as I said being younger unless you are kind of taught you're we're all about right experiencing life and wanting to grow and like you know you know fit in and have all the things that we want right and and we may not have a family that right <laughs> you know has has all of that available oh, yeah you know um, my interest, you know, it's, it's crazy that, you know, yeah, thank you for sharing both of you. And Stephen is like, I've been like, for my financial journey, like so many people just will look at us now and think, oh, you guys are so successful. You're so young. What did you do? But all of this didn't happen or start for me until really about like less than 10 years ago, you know. And, and if we rewind 10 years ago, I was at a point where 
just like your parents, I had voicemails from collections agencies. I was maxed out on my student loan debts and credit cards. You know, that was also during the last Great Recession. And I was in way over my head. And when you're in that situation, you know, similar to compounding interest, there's also compounding late fees. Mm-hmm. The banks... Yeah, are, it works both ways. It works both ways. <laughs> compounding late fees. They, they punish you even further when you're in that situation, unfortunately. And, you know, I was getting you know, six or seven overdraft fees at a time or a month or whatever it was, right? And then that hole kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was so emotionally scary for me at that time. That really became my, like, you know, motivation to never be in that place again. Yeah. You know, like, I, it's such a terrible experience where you're in the deepest pit that you'll ever feel like you're in. And to, to, to climb out was impossible. You know, and real estate became that, that financial freedom for me where we were able to, you know, with, with no other investment other than our, our skills and time, was able to build a business, right, and then learn from my mistakes and take on the advice of other smarter people around me that I observed doing better than me and, you know, tweaking things, right, and getting myself out of that hole. It's been, it's been crazy. So when you were in that hole, was there a specific like method that you took to paying back debt or you didn't you didn't declare bankruptcy did you no didn't uh luckily and praise to god my my loving wife kim she 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 you know like she she, i i you know i'm great at making money (laughs) (laughs) also great at spending money you know and and those late fee as an example right i was not always the best at managing that and so she and um I think she, I will give some credit here, shout out to Susie Orman, but you know, like for, for Kim, she was really paying mm-hmm. attention to the, the advice that she was learning from Susie at the time, and really just like focus on the snowball effect. The snowball, yeah. so right? just pay off whatever highest you Highest interest, well, oh. yeah, we, well, yeah, we focus actually on the highest Oh, that's interest. the opposite of snowball, right? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably get a... Pay off your highest interest so, loans first. So yeah. she paid off the loan. highest interest, not the lowest balance. I think exactly. yeah, snowball is like lowest balance and then... Okay. Yeah, we didn't focus on lowest balance. We focused on things that the, carried the highest interest okay. rate to make sure we eliminated those as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so as I finally started, you know, doing better at real estate and getting more sales, that became great. Take that money, pay off the debt, pay off the debt as quickly as possible. And she is the one that was responsible for me getting out of that hole. Uh, that how you know during that great recession I did have to short sale my house at that time mm-hmm. you know is the smartest thing to do at the time in hindsight definitely wish we kept it right like you know sure. we would have been fine but at the time it made sense like you got to do what makes sense uh, for you at that situation so we short sale that house and you know we've been we've built ourselves back up of course you know so yeah it, it, there's a lot of different strategies of course out there but I I think you know for me it was just like yeah having a partner I needed somebody who could give me advice that I didn't know myself. You know, we, you know we, we all do the best we know, but we don't know what we don't know, obviously. I mean, it's not about doing everything perfect. Like, sometimes you just need that bad experience to, you know, to learn from and to grow and to build. I mean, we've all had tons of bad financial investments, you know? Well, and, and honestly, too, like Alex makes a great point about Kim, at, like leveraging your partners. Yeah. S- sometimes in a partnership, you know, one person is is really good like you said you're good at bringing in money but you might not be the best at just managing the budget but you know some one person's strength might be managing the budget so play to your strengths right absolutely um, you know use you and and on like a financial thing as a team it's, it's you and your family 
and, and maybe you have a financial advisor, um, you know, maybe you have a great realtor or a lender that will help you kind of manage your, um, you know, your real estate portfolio as well, because it's, it's a, it's a group effort, you know, mm-hmm. and like finance is just so complicated, right? I mean, it, there's so many things, there's so <laughs> many things. index funds, mutual fund, <laughs> bonds, right. yeah. like, oh my gosh, real acronyms estate. forever, right? Bitcoin, and, and <laughs> NFTs, I keep hearing NFT, I don't yeah. you know, so. you know, but I think you, we're, we're so lucky in this generation now with like YouTube and oh. accessibility, things are so accessible, but like, you got to seek out the experts. Well, yeah, before, if you wanted to learn how to like, trade on on a on a market you had to like use a professional like to you know ask them for their time like get get lucky you know with who you find someone that will actually take you the time to explain it to you now you can just you can just google that right right yeah <laughs> I mean, you can just watch youtube videos yeah. and, and learn how i mean you got of course you have to have the mindset to be able to like choose which which is fake and which is real right um but the information's there uh, willing for the taking, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I try to avoid YouTube because I know a lot of it goes on how the market is performing. Like, things get hyped up, stocks get hyped up, and you can follow, like, these are the best things to invest in. Like, mm. this, go get AMC, go get GameStop, right, right, all this right, stuff. Right, right. And, you know, I don't try to get into these crazy, like, hype train, you know, investments too much, so. Yeah, I, I guess I meant more for, like, the mechanics of, like, Similar to changing a washing machine part, like you can go to YouTube and figure out. Okay, I want to learn how to trade covered calls, so you can just oh, like, like the standard. The, the, how do you just invest? The, how do you the do mechanics this? of it, not like necessarily investing tips, so to speak, but like uh, you know, if you're trying to figure out the, the the really simple mechanics of it, which are, as it turns out, aren't that simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just turning to that, I mean, I just wanted to talk a little bit about our best investments. Oh, if you want to jump into that and kind of talk about it and how you got into that and what it what it was? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you say when you say best that there's a lot of qualifiers for it. I mean, my luckiest or best investment was I mean I was Tesla that I talked about earlier. I mean that the return on that I think it went up almost fifty times. Um, so that was like a fifty banger or whatever you want to call it. I mean that that's the thing about individual stocks. It's like when you buy when you buy those, there's a huge opportunity but I mean like literally every other individual stock I've bought I think I've bought 30 or 40 of them and there's been only three that that are to this day like profitable I mean I'm still up quadruple I think what I put in but but like like that saying goes if you put all your eggs in one basket I mean of those 40 that I bought you know, only only four have hit. So if yeah. I put one of my eggs in one of the wrong baskets, I would have been totally screwed. Um, and that's kind of like the the gambling money or the play money. That's my like play account. I actually am in a competition right now with my financial advisor. So we have a, we have an annual competition where um, I have my play account and and he manages my more conservative account where it's just like index funds and typical like really good diverse set of stuff. Um, and and so we're gonna see who who who's outperforms who. But um, yeah, I mean my other investment that I mean real estate's done really well too. Uh, I mean I looked at my portfolio the other day; it's basically doubled. Everything that I put into real estate is doubled, which isn't yeah. as high as as my stocks have done. But um, with leverage, the actual dollar amount is is a lot more. So. Um, that's the thing about real estate that I think a lot of people miss. If you just if you just look at a number of appreciation over time, 
you got to take into account leverage. You got to take into account pr principal reduction payments. You got to take into account tax savings. You got to take into account rental increase. So there's just a lot of variables that get lost when you just glance at um, real estate investments. So that's been that. And then the other thing that's been that I just started doing for the last seven months is trading cover calls super conservatively. It's like the most conservative way of trading options. And I've been making like 500 to a thousand bucks a month um, on that too. So it's, it, I mean, it'll over the long span, it looks about like I'm making an extra, it's like I'm getting a 10% dividend. Yeah. Um, which is, which is a nice for me. That's, I feel like if you're, if you're, if you're doubling, tripling, you know, it's just lucky. But, yeah. Um, that slow growth for me is is what I like. Okay, uh, I'll talk about mine. Uh, I, I would say my four hundred one k is probably my best investment because it was the easiest. I didn't really think too much about it. It's pretty much you know, uh, life cycle funds and index funds mm -hmm. that I had my uh, financial planner choose. Uh, I didn't do anything other than say, hey, here's my pre tax income. Max out my 401k. Max out, uh, take the 19.5 out of it and just go. So wait, it, it wasn't managed by your employer. You, you they they gave you a match and then you just yeah, you, I had a match and everything up, too. But you got to you got to set it up on yourself. So I could, I went into uh, the platform to manage my 401k. Uh -huh. I brought it to a CFP, a certified oh, financial oh, okay, planner, okay. and had them you, choose you the best within ones. the employer option. Yeah, okay, so I chose sense. from the those options, and I literally do not think about it at all. I don't go in and self manage. I'm, I want to be as hands off as possible, and it's grown pretty significantly. Um, I'd say it's the best because it's the easiest one because I didn't think. Well, and you probably had automatic deposits set up. Yeah, too, automatic right? deposits through Which my employer. By far the best way to save money. Yeah, just don't think about it. And it's taken out of my paycheck before I even really see it. I don't look at it. I just live off of what's uh, after tax money. Correct. And it's fine. Uh, if I were to say, I would say my first fourplex is actually my real best investment on, on multiple levels. It wasn't easy, um, but it's made me the most money right. and the most learnings. You know, mm -hmm. I've learned how to be a landlord. I've learned how to manage tenants. I've learned how to bring in that rental income. I've learned so many things that helped me transition into being, you know, obviously owning multiple properties. Right. So, and that one you bought as like a primary residence with yeah, your parents I, and stuff. It was a pure accident. Had to buy my parents a home. Yeah. By happenstance, my sister said, why don't you buy a fourplex? I didn't know I could do that. Sure, I'll do it. And it just happened to work That's out. That's a good mentality yeah. to have, though, because most people, when you like, because we often advise to our clients that are younger, like, hey, just consider why, why don't you consider buying a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex to start? Yeah. And they're usually like, oh no, I don't want to be a landlord, right? Yeah. Mindset. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great mindset to have to be just like, okay, I'll try it. I, I always <laughs> looks say good I'm, on paper. I'm open for luck. I like to put myself. Uh, in opportunities for luck and listen to people and network and maybe hear that one thing that's going to change my life and I know that my sister saying that one thing why don't you go buy a fourplex changed my life because I was just going to buy my parents a home which sister? it's Joanna okay yeah I was just going to buy my parents a home <laughs> good job Joanna good job <laughs> yeah. uh, buy them a home and then pay for their mortgage and run off to New York or run off right. to Chicago because I, ju I just come from the back from the Bay Area to help them with this transaction and was gonna find a new place to start my adventure. Um, but it ended up keeping me here, growing my wealth significantly, getting me to 11 doors at this point in, what is it, three years? And that's why I say it's my best investment in multiple ways. 
But my 401k, the easiest thing I've ever Easy. done to yep. you know, really add to my net worth. And do you do the? Did you, were you able to do a Roth 401k? Or? Oh, yeah. It's it's just a regular just 401k. Regular, yeah. I do have a Roth IRA that I also max out usually. Actually, I haven't been doing it the last couple of years because since I got so into real estate, I've been shoving every single dollar into it because I, I love the returns of it. Yeah. But usually in my past when I was just a W-2 employee, it was max out my 401k, max out my Roth IRA, which is $6,000 yep. $6, a year, max out my HSA, which yep. is like two to three, I forget how much, but that's- oh, yeah, yeah, it depends on, I, for me it's 7,500, but I guess it's because I have kids yeah, and, for, and family. Just like as a single person back yeah. then, I think it was like two to $3,000. So I was putting away like twenty-eight, twenty-nine thousand $29,000 pre-tax, yep. you know, and that's grown really significantly. I don't want to put numbers out there, but it was the easiest thing I've ever done. And you know, I was working in tech, so I had enough to live off of. Mm. Nice. Are you, so are you gonna convert your 401k into your Roth IRA? Uh, I haven't decided now yet. Now that you're not at your employer anymore? Now that I'm like an entrepreneur and yep. self-employed, uh, I haven't thought about it too much. <laughs> you know, I've been so busy, but you know, it's in the works. I am gonna- It's like, a good time to do it with yeah. the market's down. Did you have a CFP too, a certified financial planner? Uh, I had a CFP. Uh, I just went to them the one time to kind of get set up before oh, I bought okay. my property. Um, but I haven't really seen them since, and maybe it's a good time to go see them now that I'm self-employed. Yeah. I was actually going to go see my tax advisor yeah. to kind of help me work out the best situation now that I'm self-employed, and should I get an S-corp and pay myself, et cetera, all these different things. That I, I, I know Jordan's got a CFP he works with, so it sounds like you've met, had one at one point. I've never yeah. had a CFP, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah, it's a little different. I mean, uh, coming to my story, I would kind of say, I'm going to change, you know, yes, I could give examples of some specific real estate investments, but I think what I want to say is really invest in yourself mm. is uh, something I think people overlook. Education. Yeah. And it's not, yes, it's education, but even my get out of eliminate debt, you know, you have to invest in yourself and get yourself in a position to be able to grow because if you know you're always in that if you if you're going to be in a state where you're not you know where you are still in debt or have debts it's going to be a definitely limiting factor especially if you're planning to purchase a property for investment even you know more debt you carry the less the higher what they call debt to income ratio you have so that's one part of it but it, it it's 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 like freedom you know when you're yep. in the position where you don't have a deeply negative balance or anything like that uh, especially arrears, you have a feeling of freedom of, from, from finances. And I think that will enable you, and then hopefully by investing in yourself, by seeking out experts, getting advice, learning, being willing to learn things that you don't already know about financial you know, things like that, is where opportunity starts happening. Yeah. You know, you, you, oh yeah, you, it's so hard to say yes to an opportunity when you're, like you said, when you're in arrears or you just feel burdened by debt. I mean, it, it's, yeah, when you, you're able to say yes, you're able to take a risk. Exactly. When you have like, or I mean, even just having big family support too. Like I've always felt like, oh, the worst thing is gonna happen, I can go crash on my parents' couch or whatever, like if, if this, this screws up, right? <laughs> I mean, now, now I don't think they're going to take three kids, but <laughs> I mean, maybe they would, but. <laughs> Absolutely they would. But yeah, I, I think for me, you know, like just getting myself out of that financial scenario, um, then starting to save money and then make some smart financial investments like Steven, 
you know, that, that's a real big part of it. I would not have had those opportunities to purchase. Uh, I've done about a dozen flips, right? But so you need capital, you need money, you need all these different things to do that. If I wasn't in a position where I had saved because I, I didn't want to have that fear of going back to that place where I was in debt anymore, I could not say yes to that opportunity. Mm. You know, it sucks is that when you get a present opportunity, you're like, well, how do I do it? You know, what can I, I can't do it. There's no way, There's no, it's not fathomable. And when you have that mindset, then, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, and so I, I really think in trying to figure out how to invest in yourself and to get yourself positioned well will give you more opportunities to do things like this. Connecting with people. When I started building my business, I was a brand new agent. I didn't have the experience. And I, I was actually with two different real estate companies. Prior. I've been with Keller Williams now over 12 years. And at the time, I had the mindset of a brand new agent. I want to save some money. I don't want to pay the highest fees. I'm going to go to these offices. And I floundered in the first few years because I got exactly what I was paying for. Mm. You know? yep. And you know, now I live in an, in an environment of abundance, of education, of coaching, and, and of really top performers. There are people in this office who you know, close 10 deals a month. You yep. know? And, for, for you, and why I mention that is you need to put your, surround yourself uh, one of the things I always, my brother told me too, you're going to be the average of the five friends you hang out with. So take a, a look around at who your friends are. And for back then during my college phase, yeah, what was I doing? I was spending my time hanging out with my friends from high school and college I was very comfortable with. We were, you know, doing all the things that, you know, college boys do and things like that, right? And I had to make a shift. And so I joined this office 12 years ago because this had all the top performers, all the producers. And in being in the environment where I could be a sponge and learn just like we're doing now and we're able to share back with all of our listeners you know this is the paying it forward path to help others too yeah but you know i i, I so i'm gonna go like yes opportunities are out there but you won't be able to say yes to opportunities unless you position yourself in a good financial space to do that so I, i'd say that's been the best investment for me is making sure i didn't have debt anymore and that i could say yes to things okay quick rapid fire um Savings, how do you manage your savings annually? Like, what, what mechanism do you use for putting into savings? Great. That would be, well, I, for savings, I kind of operate from, the, from a business. I need to have that fixed reserve account. Okay. You know, uh, since we've been through an economic recession, for me, that's been a six-month reserve account. So I need, A, my baseline is, have that number. And how do you determine what your baseline is? Look at your expenses. Look at your monthly liabilities. Multiply that by six. That's what you need in your mm -hmm. reserve account. And basically. you just, do you put a percentage of each each commission or is it yeah. just lump? My lump partner, my partner manages that, that ah. part of it. She, she manages ah, the good. whole base, <laughs> right? So oh, you manage it, you hired, you, exactly. you hired someone, you married someone that's good at managing that. Perfect. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> right? And so, be willing to, I, and actually, I mean, you know, I don't want to digress, but yeah, as a partnership or a pa if you have a partner, you need to be in line financially. You need to at least talk about these things because, right, we all, we, like I said, we grow up in whatever environment and we observe from our parents. And so I think that <coughs> partnerships need to be aligned financially and work together and, and admit when you're not the right person for it. It's okay to not be good at the money, right. you know? I'm okay with that. <laughs> and so, and I'm not bad when you guys know, but like, for me, it's um, 
building that up and making other investments. So uh, there was a point where, again, the money would come in, pay off what we, what we have to, put everything else into the returned uh, savings account so we are building up that reserve. Yeah. And then from there we can, you know, depending on whatever we have left over, then we just, you know, we, you know, we, we do what we got to do. Yeah. Uh, now that you're an entrepreneur and not W-2, what, how do you do your savings? Oh, well, like I said, when I was a W-2 employee, I literally just had a savings account and I had an automatic withdrawal of, I think it was like 30 to 40% of my income because I lived very frugally. Right. When, even when I was W-2 and it just went into the savings right. automatically. So I just couldn't live on it. So that just grew and I always had my mm. reserve fund. So, so you, know, you, just, you never even touch your savings it was even It was yeah. in a separate bank. So I didn't okay. even check that account. I mean, maybe oh, it wasn't the best investment because I, I did check and I was like, oh, wow, this is a lot of money. But it was good. Like, you know, like having that fear of, oh, my car broke down. For a lot of people, they can't afford a $400 expense. Right. Like for me, it's an inconvenience. It's yeah. annoying, but I got the money. So right. just not being able to see it is the easiest way to save mm. and just planning ahead. And now that I'm, you know, entrepreneur, the money is a little more variable. Um, I basically think of my rental income as my stable income and I okay. just don't touch that. I literally okay. just let it sit there. That is for if, you know, something like a pipe burst yep. or yep, if I need exactly. plumbing or these things. Reserves. I just let that build. I don't, I try not to live off of it as much as possible unless like maybe I'm not making income for a month or two or whatever, for whatever reason. But that is my way of saving right now is just letting my passive income come in, build, sit there. I know there are better opportunities for me to throw it in crypto or this or that or whatever and make tons of money, but this is safe. I know it's there and things happen. I've had very recently like a, $5,000 plumbing expense yep. that I was like, wow, this really sucks, but it's not going to break the bank. Right. It's just really annoying. And that's yep. how I save now. And obviously if I have like a lot of income coming in that month, I just push it off. Mm. Like I, I'm going to live off of this. Here's all my expenses. Great. The rest, any extra just goes straight into that account and I don't look at it. Don't, I like that. An account that you never look at. Yeah. Yeah. For me. Set it and forget it. <laughs> Set it and forget it. Yeah. No, for me, it's kind of similar because I'm W-2 as a loan officer. You can't really be um, 1099 like you guys. Uh, so I, like you were saying before, just I max the my Roth 401k and then I have my auto deposit into my Roth IRA and then my, I max my HSA too. Um, so that's all like my major savings. And then the rest goes into, um, you know, just a normal checking and savings account. And that's what I do my personal budget with. And then rental properties, they have their own accounts. So yeah. they just like the mortgage is paid out of those accounts. And anytime I get a check for it, I just deposit directly in those accounts. So it's like very, very straightforward, very transparent what's there. Um, and then the same with it. one of my other rentals has a home equity line on it too. And so like the mortgages are paid out of that and it, that one is separate as well. So I try and try, I try and like separate them for ease of, ease of a quick audit, Okay. I guess, so to speak. Well, it sounds like you do a lot of tracking. Can you kind of go over like how you track all your investments? Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't use like fancy software. I just use a Google sheet. Um, and then have a few like different calculators on the Google sheet that will like bit things out when I add things in there. Do you have um, it built in as a template now? Uh, I mean, sort of. I just, whenever I need to figure out how to, how to like, because I'm not like super great with Excel, but good enough to like. You're better than me. I'll tell you. I mean, <laughs> all you had to do is like, oh, I, I'd, 
I want this to do this. So you just Google it or yeah. Yeah, just yeah. look at a YouTube video of someone showing you how to do it. And then, then your Excel sheet will do what you want to do. I mean, it's, it's crazy powerful and it's, and I can pull it up on my phone cause it's on Google sheets. I can, you know, pull it up anywhere if I need a quick reference. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't track it like crazy. I just like, you know, update values once every six months or once a year. Um, but I track like, okay, the rental income is this much. Um, the value is this much. I've, I've paid this much for my real estate. And then, like I mentioned, I do a little bit of trading on covered calls. And so I have my, a spreadsheet for that as well, where I can track like how much I've made each month and, um, and, and sort of, there's like a thing where I can put it in and it'll tell me like, okay, if this were to get called away from me, what would that mean? And, um, so that way I'm just a little bit more, it's less about like gambling and more about, I know what's, what it looks like. And I, it's like building a knowledge base over time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can sort of like, just know what to expect. Yeah. I always call it a health check, basically. You know, you got to give the temperature, the pulse on where we're at, you know, and a lot of people look at it differently, like having a running balance sheet, basically, for a business and things like that. So, you know, maybe, Jordan, if you can create a, 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 a template, maybe our listeners can, can uh, subscribe, contact us. Sure. We'd love to share it with you guys. I'd love it. I know I want a copy. That's why I'm asking. Okay. I want, I, I want I'll that. Have to, I'll have to clean it up. Because <laughs> anytime you look at someone else's spreadsheets, it's oh, like, sure. what is this? But, that, but, you know, like, I've downloaded spreadsheets, too. So, yeah, like, yeah. one totally. same thing for our multifamily properties. We have a, um, you know, um, um, uh, I forget the, the word for it, but there's a... a data sheet basically for every unit for expenses that we're all tracking and that way we kind of know where our numbers are right <coughs> i think that's same knowing the language like know know your numbers so that way you can make decisions because when you don't know it's really tough to decide what to do yeah. yeah well and it reminds you for me it reminds you of the value of of the work you're putting in right and when you when you evaluate those numbers and you're like oh okay that was a good investment or maybe that wasn't a good investment and Maybe it's time to move on from that investment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My philosophy is um, I used to track every single investment. I used to go into my platform to look at my 401k, see how each one was oh, performing. No, don't do that. Um, <laughs> now I'm, I'm tired. I'm just like, look, it's in index funds. It's very diversified. Right. You know, time in the market is better than timing the market and doing all these changes. So I kind of just check what's my balance. Cool. Whatever. I move on. Um, the big thing that I'm doing now is, as you mentioned, with real estate, I do a lot of renovations, a lot of expenses. These are all things I can write off on my taxes. So I have yeah, a very detailed spreadsheet of every single important. expense. Uh, which and one, uh, yeah. you know what? Be clear. We're, I don't, we're not writing off, it, uh, you know, t uh, writing off things, but yeah, we're decreasing our earned income. Exactly. Basically, you know, like you know, these are legitimate expenses we are spending on a property like a business investment and therefore your your net income is going to be different. Oh, and when you track it, it's just so much easier for tax time too. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. No, it's easy. I have a folder for all my receipts. Uh, if I have a partnership, then I have like a drop down for is it me who spent that money? Is it you who spent that money? So it's, it has, it's twofold. So it's for taxes and it's also for Okay, how much money have we spent each? Right. Like, how is the balance going? Yep. Does this like investment that? did this investment make sense? Or yeah. Yeah. So that's like basically all the tracking I do now. Like, obviously stocks and etc. I have like fun accounts, like my Robinhood, where I throw some money in there for individual stocks. But yeah, I don't use know. a spreadsheet for my all my like four hundred one k and my IRA. That's just 
way too much. Yeah, yet. there's no reason to do that for at least for me. I just yeah, I just can't check that stuff. It's too stressful. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, I, I just think know. long term. You think long term? No, I'm not going to touch. That's the long term. Yeah, it's retirement. If I'm not going to touch it towards when I'm like until I'm 60 or 65, then who cares? It's going to double or triple or whatever over time. You know, go down and. So it what? goes up, it goes down. The stock market on average over the last hundred years goes up an average of 8% a year. So, you know, I think we'll do just fine. Even in bad years, just let it ride and see what happens. Yeah. Keep it simple. Awesome. Keep buying. Always keep buying. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, we're really heavily invested in real estate and, you know, we have talked to CFPs. I don't know if you've talked to a CFP or a certified financial planner, I mean. I've yeah. had conversations, you know, meet and greets kind of. I've never bit the bullet on doing that type of thing. I More because, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think you, I agree with you that the easiest one is that 401k retirement. You know, I just started putting away money you know, as I could, and I didn't realize that until like ten years ago. But well, and when you're self-employed, you can put a lot more into yeah. a, into yeah. a SEP IRA. So I have a SEP IRA, and I make yeah. the maximum contribution every year. Yeah. And I definitely saw that grow tremendously, and I also saw it retract tremendously due to the market fluctuations. But you know, that's the long game that we're heading to. And I think yeah. you know, like I want our listeners also focus. You know, I mean, I, I'll share this piece about it. My my father, as an immigrant, passed away about two years ago, and didn't you know his biggest asset he had was the house he bought classic and, yeah and and you know and he was doing his best right to keep to, to help us as children right do everything we needed so he didn't leave very much at all other than that than that real estate and so now we're thinking like we will get to that point we're all there's nothing we can't fight but time right like so we will all be in that position at some point and do you want to look at your kids and expect them to support you and take care of you Uncle Sam, or what are you going to do for yourself starting today? Because we're all heading there. Yeah, I mean, Social Security is not going to cover everything. I'll say no. that. Yeah, no. <laughs> if it's still around <laughs> when we retire. Right. Yeah, I mean, and we're living longer too. Yeah, and I mean, I I personally don't want to be working when I'm 80. I mean, not not a not. I mean, I don't 80 really hours want to be or 40 hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. You know? Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll say this about uh, certified financial planners. I've seen one, or maybe couple times but I feel like they're always planning for okay and you'll have this when you're 60 and I'm like 60 that's so far away that's like 25 years you know that's the big thing that kind of that real estate's kind of pushed me away from with passive income and everything I want to be re- able to retire in like by, my, by the time I'm 40 you know sure. and so like I have a little bit of conflicts with my CFP who I saw right before I started buying real estate I'm thinking, like, what would they, what would they say about my portfolio now? Is it too heavily focused on real estate, et cetera? You know, are they specialized in real estate? Do they know like all the benefits of what real estate can do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always important to invest what in what you know. Yeah. Right. And and as real estate professionals, we have the advantage of of knowing how how well how real estate works and and connections in the field. Uh, and, and CFPs, to your point, um, they yeah, I mean, a lot of them don't specialize in real estate, and and some of them even have negative attitudes towards it. Not mine, and 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 I would say probably a lot of them do not. But um, and there's different ways to work with CFP too. I know a lot of people don't don't like. Um, I I I just have um, like a, a fee fee structure, so it's a percentage of the account that they're managing. Um, but some people, I think you set it up so that you just pay 
I just visit, paid the one time. Pay per visit or whatever. You know, I do a, I just do a, ch- a check in when you know my life situation changes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how should I handle this situation? How should I allocate my money? Should I diversify differently? Right. I just check in, and and, and on that point, you know, uh, I really do recommend a, a fee only CFP because mm-hmm. there's a lot of certified financial planners that are working with insurance companies, and they will try to push their products. They're not always going to be your fiduciary, you know. Right. So right. I always push on that. But insurance is important. <laughs> well, not if like their goal yeah, is I know. not to I, help you is to sell trust insurance. Trust me, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Stephen. I've been there, and that's what's turned me off sometimes because it becomes a hard sell on making you feel a little guilty for not having insurance. You know, oh, you don't have life insurance? Well, what are you going to, you know, that kind of guilt about it. I've, where I felt from, and I know not all certified financial planners are like that, so, um, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. That's definitely been a hard turn off for me because, you know, mm. we, we all have different interests in what we believe in as yeah. far. So finding a professional that aligned with your goals and has the expertise in those things, whether it be crypto, bonds, or stocks, or real estate, I think it's good to find a professional that has that background knowledge because these people, these professionals, will make you money. Right, you got to listen to the advice. You got to pay for the advice and do it. But if you, you know, if that's something you want, you got to start there. Well, yeah, for me, it's all about the relationship and the in the advice. You know, I can call them and ask questions and get thoughtful answers, not not just like the canned answer. They'll think about my specific situation. Yeah, they know my situation, um, and they'll give me like we when we got when I when I did get my life insurance policy. I also was very hesitant to. Do, to do that because I'd been hard sold on on whole life policies forever um, but we talked about it and we talked about the advantages and the disadvantages and, and we and we looked at doing just a you know a term for an amount that that made the most sense and, and I was like all right I'm tr- gonna try and cancel it before <laughs> the term. Like, that's my goal is to is to be to, at the point where I can feel comfortable I can cancel it so when we, we laughed about that um, but but to me what was important is that he showed me. He explained to me very clearly the different options, um, and then and then we came to get chose one together that made the most sense for our for my family and for our financial situation. Yeah, that that's actually when you know for me the turn the tipping point for insurance was the family. You know when we were expecting our first, and I was like, oh man, this is getting real. You know, this is real adulting. Like we're adult. We're talking about financial stuff now. We're we're adults now, right? Know. And so you know, but when <laughs> when when we were having our first child, that was like, man, I this is real. And you know, and now I'm the I'm the main I'm the only income earner for my household, just like Jordan. And so you know, life is precious. We know, and especially living been through a pandemic now that we've experienced. You just never know. And the thought of well how will my family take care of themselves or what can I do? And that's where, and I have a term policy too. I actually am diabetic. And so a whole life policy is very expensive for mm. me to get the type of numbers I would kind of, everyone thinks I would need, you know, right, right. but because I have now other of these other real estate assets, those are my fallback plan basically yeah. to hold, you know, at least I have those. And so, um, you know, I think it'd be great if we brought in a, a, a certified financial planner for one of our future podcasts. So definitely stay in tune and we'll bring yeah. Jordans uh, yeah, uh, onto the show. Yeah, Ted Haley. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be great. I'd really love to. I haven't run uh, my 
real estate portfolio by a CFP recently. So I'd really love oh, to see what they do think. let's do that. That would be fun and see what they think. Yeah. You know, I used to work for a uh, robo-advising company and we did the whole risk tolerance thing. Uh-huh. Uh, right now, I'd say on the risk tolerance scale, we're all off the edge of <laughs> aggressive right, right, right now. Right. So I want to see what they think and... You know? No, I mean, you might say that, but then you, they would also look at your, you know, your your index funds and look at your age and be like, yeah, okay, you're exactly. able to make that risk. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Right. yeah. Sure. Well, great episode, guys. I think we all had a, some major good takeaways that we shared with our listeners today. Auto, auto save, put it into account that you can't look at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pay down your debt. This is the easiest one. A couple book recommendations. A couple like, books. You know, that's, yep. You know, you just got to get started and start just thinking about what kind of future do you want to have, mm-hmm. you know, and instead of like, like Alex said, just in this mindset of struggling and trying to dig out because debt can be a spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if it's really uncomfortable for you to think about and talk about finance, you know, work with someone, you know, that, that knows what they're doing. Yeah. And I said, invest in yourself. Yep. Best return you'll ever experience. 100%. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.